Welcome to Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarno, a weekly podcast from Relevant Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. We pray this message helps you connect to God as you find your place, reveal your purpose, and unlock your potential. Let's head live to Pastor Chris for today's powerful message. Glory to God. Are you excited today? Come on, I said, are you excited today? Are you ready? You got to get ready. Is anybody in here ready? Come on. Don't let, hey, 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 hey. Don't let nine o'clock outdo you. Because nine o'clock is the early service, and they were a lot louder than this. Uh, they were a lot more excited than this, and usually they're the quiet bunch, you know what I mean? They're a little bit more contemporary than nine o'clock people. They're a little bit more sanctified, amen? I said, are you ready this morning? Yeah. Are you ready to go to another level? You know, it, expectation is the key. Expectation is the key to the miraculous. You don't know that? Come on. You guys got to get ready to receive today at another level. I don't know about you, but Saturday I came in here. And I came in here ready to get what we need to hear from heaven. And I went home. Yeah, I told Pastor Liz, I said, after yesterday, I was messed up. I really was messed up. I said, I said, man, I said, you got to be around. Where are you? I said, I, I, I'm trying to write things and I don't even know how to fill out the, 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 the credit card thing. I'm like, uh, we got to give and we got to do. And we got to go to another level. And this morning we came and went to another level of thinking. This is about increase in every area of your life. Your mind, your thinking, your finances, your family, a better marriage, your kids serving God better. I'm talking about increasing in everything. You know, one principle of increase leads into every principle of increase. So today I, I get the honor. To, now listen, we're taking the tithe right now for I know my church people, you're here. I'm taking the tithe and I'm getting out of the way. Dr. Rob is graciously going to introduce Dr. Avanzini, but right now, this is about your tithe. You guys, you relevant guys, we are going to take an offering for uh, Brother John at the end and, you know, do everything we're doing for the conference. But right now, for you guys that are tithing, you know why you tithe. You tithe because you love God. You tithe because it's a, it's a requirement of heaven. And it's a key to keep the blessing of God upon your life. So Jesus said, he said, if, you know, and it's all about trust. That's all money's all about is trust. If you trust God because you love God, and today, this morning, as we get ready to do this, we do it in faith and we do it in obedience. But for the relevant family, you know how to do this. It's up on the screen. This is your tithe. Your offering, that's later. But you guys that tithe, you know why you do it. And here is the reason why, most of all, we love God. That's it. That's all you got to know. Amen. And when you love God, it's simple. Amen. So there are ways to give her up there. The ushers are coming and I'm going to get out of the way. Father, I just thank you for these guys and their gift and their obedience to do what it is you've called them to do. And Father, we thank you that this is blessed. It's a sacred moment. It's a sacred day. I really believe that this is a shift for the future of the church. These, these days and these meetings are going to transform our life forever. We talk big because we serve a big God. We believe big because we have a big God. And Father, we just thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Ushers are going to serve the people. You know, this morning I said something. While the ushers are doing this, I'm just going to give them a minute and I'm going to get away. I'm going to invite Dr. Rob to come. Today, um, you know, God's gracious to you. You don't really realize what people mean in your life. The moment they come in, it's later I think it hits you. And this morning I said something. I said, a lot of people preach to you. A lot of people you know, we'll talk to you, but who's going to take care of your soul and love you? Me and Pastor Liz, a long time ago, we were, we were hanging out in a meeting and I said to her, I said, who cares, who cares, who cares about our soul? We're in a meeting and someone was preaching and it was great, but I nudged her, I said, who cares about our soul? Who's going to show up in the midnight hour when you need them to show up. Who's gonna, who's gonna really like come, who's gonna come get, if I went left and I needed to go right, who's gonna come get us? And she didn't even blink. She said, Dr. Rob would come get you. Miss Linda would come get you. And I said, all right, that's our people. They're our people. Amen. And hanging around and just being there and next thing you know, I was hanging out with Doc and here came Brother John. And I'll say, well, you know what? 
the greatest honor we could have is to have the both of you come into our house. And these guys don't just come preach. They leave a piece of themselves with you. Anybody come preach to you, but not everybody's going to leave a piece of themselves with you. That's different. So today as Dr. Rob comes, I asked him, I said, would you please introduce Brother John? He said, no problem. So I'm going to get out of the way, but I would love for you to do this. Just stand up on your feet just for a minute. I believe in honor. We honor these great men of God that are coming and what they're going to speak into our life. So Father, we just thank you. I believe this is a holy moment. So just focus your attention there. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for these great men who've taken time out of their life to add time to ours. Thank you, Father, for what's taking place that we'll see from generation to generation. We honor them and we thank them. We thank you and we love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Dr. Rob. Praise God. I think I got it. Do I have it? There you go. There you go. It's so nice for all of you not only to be here today, but today you're going to be changed. So say this after me, Father. In the name of Jesus, I will hear your word because I am a doer and not just a listener. Transform me. Change me today into who you've called me to be. I can do what you say I can do. I am who you say I am. And I will have what you say that I should have. You told me, Father, in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 7 and 8, the two things I require of you, deprive me them not before I die. Remove falsehood and liars far from my presence and give me the food that you prescribed for me. I want nothing that you don't want me to have, but I want everything everything that you have given to me. me. Cause me to be like you. Cause me to be like you. For you so loved the world. For you so loved the world. That you saved you sent your only begotten son. You sent your only begotten son. Now with this, Father. Now with this may I take your your son and this gospel. To the rest of the earth. The rest of the earth. Now show me how to do it. Woo! In Jesus' name. Woo! Amen. Let's give Jesus a shout. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you Woo! so much. You can be seated. Thanks. It was about 30 years ago. Not far from this time of the year that there was a young man who called on me and said I want to represent someone to you and he's talking about possibly being able to come in your direction and we discussed some things and I just told him at the end of our conversation I I'm not interested I just wasn't on the same wavelength. But all of a sudden, at my office, my secretary brings me in these, these boxes of material. And it's all this material from a man whose name is John Evanzini. That young man stood in the way of me meeting one of the greatest friends I'll ever have in my life. I can't imagine how many things that hell brings into our lives to try to stop us from being able to become what we've been called to be. How many of you, you just want to be what God's called you to be? 
I don't want anything more. I don't want anything less. I just want to be what God wants. You know what? I'm, I'm tired of wanting what somebody else wants. I just want what God's called me to want. Yeah. That's all. I just want to want what he wants. I want to Come not on. want what he doesn't want and live myself somewhere, uh, somewhere out there. But then all of a sudden I get a call from a man. And this man, John Evans, and he calls and he says, I'd like to meet with you. I had no intention of it. Because that young man put such a sour taste in my mouth. But from that time until this, 30 years later, in my heart, we've been inseparable. I've been around the world with this man. I've seen him do things that I've never seen anyone else do. I consider him to be of the greatest men in the entire body of Christ. And when you do what he does, people love you. And then they have a choice to do so or to not do it. If you start with something, you must finish with something. Never discard anything in your life that is no more needful for you, but it's for them. As generals of life, and I really hesitate to use that word because it's not in my vocabulary, but of the people who have been our leaders, the ones that have taught us, I'm not sure in my mind that in this particular arena that there's ever going to be anyone ever again that can do what he does. How God revealed this to him, it may come out, it may not. But this revelation that God revealed to him is a revelation that no one else in the body of Christ has ever had. But I can see, I can tell you, I remember the time that he invited me to buy, to buy a radio station for, for a particular nation that we were in. I was, and I told him, I said, I said, John, I said, you're not buying that without me. Because anything that I can ever do with him, I know two things are true. Number one, I'm going to fulfill God's will. And number two, there's going to be a multiplication of what God said would come into my life. When I met this man, I was doing okay. But it was his influence in my life that really taught me to care for my own family. If it wasn't for him, I would have not been able to have a retirement. For him, this man right here, he taught me how to care. See, I had the idea that others were going to care for me. Forgive them. Forgive them. They don't, they don't understand. They don't understand that, that the future of the student is guaranteed the moment that he creates one for his teacher. Here, here. I love him. If it wasn't for him, I never would have been able to pay off my church. He did it. I can't say. I, I don't want anything of, that I'm mentioning. And Pastor Chris asked me to do this. He, he may regret it. But, but, um, but honestly, I, I can't. I can't express to you enough how you must go beyond. You have to go beyond having it just as a part of your life. 
and allowing it to become your life. At the same time, without ever becoming religious. Religion is the enemy of God. Oh, my God. very thing that just puts you and puts you in a bad place. I know that you will love him as I. I have asked him to come to Pastor Chris and Liz's place. I asked him because they mean so much to me that I wanted him to have his touch upon your home so father thank you that today that we hear your voice from someone who knows you so well may he live forever may we at this time in our lives may we experience all of the years that he has served you around the world. May they be injected into this morning and this evening. May the rest of this, Father, through Tuesday, be everything to every person that you desire it to be. Because I know it will be to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand on your feet. And welcome to this pulpit with me, Dr. John Avanzini. Doctor, wow. God bless you. Thank you, brother. Build me up. Wow, wow. Remain standing a minute. Let me have a look at you. Ah, the half has not been told. Tell that person near to you. That brother John thinks they look now. Now, by Texas now, I know you're in Florida. I love Florida, but in Texas we don't speed up our words; we stretch them out. So tell them, brother John thinks you look real nice. Give him some nice. Yeah, yeah, real nice. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. I, uh, what is today, Sunday? Day after tomorrow, I'll leave for Asia. And so I had plenty to do until Dr. Thompson told me, you must meet this this pastor and his wife. You must uh, meet his people. And uh, he's asked me to deposit something in you. Now, I had a complication, uh, what, what night was I in the hospital? Friday night? Saturday night? Friday night I was in the hospital. And a lot of times that comes along when you get a little older. I'm 87 now. Amen. God's good. God's good. And uh, I, uh, I knew that if you were important to Brother Thompson, that it was important for me to meet you. Now, I don't know whether you realize it or not, but some of you sitting here right now are going to come into great wealth. Now, some of you are not. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I I come from the ranks of those that have nothing. I I, I was a bricklayer and uh, worked right in St. Petersburg, those 50-pound concrete blocks. I'd lay them till sometimes the, the bear would get me. You know, when your salt, he knows what the bear is. Your salt gets low and all of a sudden you, you leave the job and you're wandering around the job site. They have to come get you and salt you up again so you can start laying brick again. Well, I thought I'd live, I thought I'd live all my life like that. But then the Lord saved me. Saved me born again and like I'm, I hope if everybody gets born again has such a shock as I had when I turned from a terrible life into a whole new opportunity. But I have been all over the world, got eight 
million miles with American Airlines, and up to 10, I think, on the other lines, and all over the world, and I can say this because there's testimony of it here. Brother Thompson's in the room. He knows it so. We have left, at this time, some of the richest people in Asia in the Christian realm that were in meetings that listened to what I said and trusted God. Now, some of you will do that. Some of you will not. You're free moral agents. But you can't say the opportunity wasn't here. I quickly, now, before I get my message, because you don't know me, but I was just an average guy for a long, long time. Baptist preacher, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and mediocrity was my daily diet. And then in Abba, Nigeria, in the Crystal Park Hotel, and you can look that up, not now, but you can look it up a little later. Down in there, the story is about how God came into my room and started me understanding and started the whole church understanding biblical economics because the church is known all over the world for being a bunch of poor people. Poverty is associated with the church when you speak church. A lot of wealthy people won't get involved with Jesus because they think, I don't want to be involved with all them poor people. Well, that's not the way it was. You read in your Bible, mostly, most of the people you read about were billionaires and millionaires. Abraham, the richest man that ever lived. Solomon, you just come down to the, the kings showed up and opened their treasures, not their pinch purse. They opened their treasures to Jesus. Jesus was not a poor man. He owned a house. It's all in the scriptures. But uh, maybe at another time that I come, Lord Terry's my, my departure. He's staring his return. But I'm trying to lengthen my departure time. But we'll have an opportunity to teach some practical things about biblical economics. But I'm going to preach two sermons to you. The one tonight, you need to be here. And people that were here this morning that you might think might not come tonight, get a hold of them. Because things are going to change for those who have an open spirit. And have, there's a certain thing about if you're not stingy, you're going to like what I say. Well, I want to talk to you about, about igniting your faith. Igniting your faith. You know, the Bible says that every person, every human being that's born, there's a little package put inside of each one of them. It's called the measure of faith. Romans 12 and 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think more highly of himself, more highly than he ought to think, but that he thinks soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Right. Now, several translations say a measure of faith, but I feel from what I learned through the rest of the scripture, the measure of faith is put in. Some people make it bigger. Some people make it smaller. Some people, God gives them unlimited faith, but Every human being, when they hear the gospel, it's not that they're not going to have faith to accept it. They're going to have faith. Now, some people increase their faith greatly. My, we have giants. People become literally giants just by exercising their faith. Some let their faith grow weak. So weak, sometimes it's hard to distinguish that they might be the children of God. But every born-again person has some measure of faith. You have been given a measure of faith and I'm sure the longer you're here, you've seen that measure of faith grow. Uh, if you're not seeing that, then you need to rededicate your life to Christ. That's an old Baptist thing. Old Baptist, every Sunday, we have half the crowd rededicates their life. <laughs> now, here's an important thought. Your measure of faith is one of the most valuable gifts you possess. I have all kinds of things, automobiles, houses, this, I just have everything. But I got one thing that I never lose sight of is how valuable my faith is. Because my faith changes things. My faith can have a whole different day in front of me than what the devil planned. Now, you got to watch with faith because your faith doesn't just jump every time something happens. You have to ignite it. You have to ignite it to make it work. Now, you got a certain amount of faith. You'll pick up your foot, put it on the brake. 
when you get to the corner and you believe that the car is going to stop. So we, we have faith that's probably always operating. But that measure of faith, that power pack that God put inside of you, it doesn't just walk around looking for something to do. It lays dormant. And it's ready. It's got to be activated by your inner man. You've got to activate it. And King David, we see him over in 1 Samuel uh, 19, 22 through 25. And I, I, I'm going to read a lot of Bible to you. Because if you're going to believe what the Bible says, you're going to have to hear what it says. Amen. So in 1 Samuel 19, 22 through 25, and David left, the car- left his carriage in the hand of the keepers of the carriage and ran into the armies and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words that David heard. And David heard them. And all, now watch all the men, David ran too. David didn't just stay up there and say, all right, I'm waiting to see that giant. When he heard the giant was there, he didn't even have to see him. He just heard him. He took off running with everybody else. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from where they were, fled from him, sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel? Is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Now, remember this, this man's got the measure of faith. He's already exercised it several times. He killed a bear barehanded and killed a, killed a lion barehanded. So he has faith. But you let some, just like right now, if a giant broke through that door right now, the spear in his hand, Women and children, shuffle for yourself. I'm heading for the door. <laughs> fear will move you quick. You can move with fear. You know that. Well, now, the king provided a reward. Now, one of the things that will stimulate you into action is if there's a reward. See, David's hiding out with everybody else. And they say, boy, did you see that giant? Yeah, I saw him. said... It's going to happen that whoever uh, kills him, he's going to make, they're going to make him rich and he's going to marry the beautiful princess and he's, uh, he's going to be tax-free the rest of his life. And David says, wait a minute. Let's have another look at this Philistine who dare. When there's a reward, wise people perk up. I like rewards. I like rewards. My American Airline rewards are wonderful. I love them. They take me all over the world. I fly a few times and they pay the way for me. But watch this. Now, David begins to speak. Now, see, he's, he begins to speak. He's talking to his faith. You've got to talk to your faith. You've got to move it along. You've got to, sometimes whenever something comes, whoa, wait a minute, I don't know whether I can do that. You have to put the wedge in and say, no, 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 keep moving forward. We're going to do this thing. We're getting out of this hole. We're getting out of this dump that we live in. We're getting out of the second-hand dirty car. We're getting a brand new car. Yes, sir. And David spake unto them that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine and take away the approach of, the, of, of, of Israel? And now he's talking to himself. For who is this no-covenant Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? The hidden man of the heart spoke. Hallelujah. And boy, I mean, you know the rest of the story. When reward is there, things start happening. And uh, the, David ends, uh, let me read one other verse to you, because some people get upset about reward and motivation. I got a lot of rebukes on that when I first started teaching it. I'd get back in the room with the pastors, and they'd say, brother, we don't, we don't do reward motivation here. Well, I said, then you're not doing Christianity, because Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. Right of them that diligently seek him. Hallelujah. You know the story. Uh, Goliath ended up with his head cut off. Now, here is how important reward motivation is. Now, listen close. Jesus Christ would have not gone to the cross without reward motivation. Watch it. When you get in Matthew 26, 36 through 39, the NIV, then Jesus went with his disciples to the place called Gethsemane. And he said unto them, sit here while I go over there and pray. 
he took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said unto them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point that point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Are, are you catching this? Yes, God loves a cheerful giver. Yes, and here we have someone getting ready to give the greatest gift ever given, but he's not cheerful. He's not cheerful. God's, you see, that gift has not only got to be accomplished, the death on the cross, but it has to be accepted. It has to be accepted. Are you grasping? Yes, sir. Now going a little further, 39th verse, going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my will, not yet not as I will, but as you will. Now there, there's the Baptist answer. Lord, I don't want to do this, but nevertheless, I'll do it. I don't like it. I don't like that fellow, but I'll go pick him up. I'll do it, Lord. And then you get your reward for that. That's why I used to teach that. I used to be high up in the denomination. If that's something, way down in the denomination, let me put it that way. Well, what did Jesus do? How did we end up sitting here today? He went to reward motivation. And watch in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. You were the reward yes. that brought him to the cross. Are you grasping that? I mean, here is Jesus, and you want perfection, but he has had like passions as you have. And when the time came for the most important decision about his future and your future, he did not lean on his sight of what he was seeing. He lifted up his eyes and he looked on a distant day when there would, you would be sitting here. You'd be sitting here. And by the way, let me quickly drop this in. It's not part of the message, so, so don't count it off my time. <laughs> but you know, living here, you've got a lot of people living in this state, don't you? Yes, sir. You get the idea sometimes that we're in the minority. Well, we're not in the minority. I can prove it from the Bible. Because when a, when a sinner dies, he goes to the prison house of God. But when a saint dies, he goes and ascends into the body. He's still alive. He's still in God's army. And he's coming back. Do you get that? Don't get to thinking we're, we're, we're a minority. We're the majority. There's billions of us up in the clouds waiting to come back into the earth. Glory to God. Look out, devil, we're coming. Your inner voice has everything to do with generating that faith. And I can look back at some times that I generated faith. I, I was lost when I generated faith because I had, I, had I had to measure faith in me, lost. When I saw my wife one night at a sock hop, now you probably don't know what that is, but I was at a sock hop, hadn't been 30 miles away from my house. And I come in, I danced a couple times with her. A Baptist girl, she was backslid then, I guess, but. I danced, we danced for a bit, and I went to the door. Now listen to this, I went to the door, and I told Wayne Bonds, who was with me, I said, I'm coming back and marry that girl right there. Now you know what I did? I dropped every friend I had. I didn't go with anything, I didn't do anything else except pursue her. When her father and mother would accept someone to come in the house, I was at the door. At night, we'd be sitting on the porch and her daddy would be singing, good night, Irene, good night. I knew it was time to go. I went that eight months and she was mine. Glory to God. She was headed for Baylor. She had one more year of school. She says, later for Baylor, later for school. I'm going with Johnny. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Anyway, let's go a little bit further. The woman with the issue of blood. Okay, now watch this. And behold, uh, Matthew 9, 20 through 22. And behold, a woman with, with disease, was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years, came behind him and touched his hem of the garment, for she said within herself, you've got to talk to that faith or it's not going to get up. 
If she would have got stopped on the way in there, they'd have stoned her to death. With that issue of blood, you're not supposed to be in the public. But she said within herself, she said, I'm going to touch the hem of that garment. Now, it wasn't a message. Jesus didn't preach on come up and touch the hem of my garment. He said, he, whatever he was talking about, but all of a sudden she said, if I would touch the hem of his garment. Someone in here is going to say, I am going to be wealthy. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to quit this antique business, antique clothes, antique house, antique car. I'm going to get modern. I'm going to modernize. Well, let me say this to you. The only way you can do that is you got to have money. Money's not a bad word. It's spoken of in the Bible, all over the Bible. It talks about money or things can be turned into money. Just, just don't, don't get, I have people that, well, Brother John, we, we're leaving the church. Why are you leaving? Well, you talk about money too much. Well, honey, that's good. Go on. But you go back to the place where I was preaching and places I preach and the car, the car lot changes. Fugitives from the wrecking yard are replaced. And there's nice new cars. And people get in new houses. And people getting out of debt. You can't get out of debt on the money you're making right now because that's what's got you there. That's what's got you into that. You've got to have a financial breakthrough. You've got to have more money. You've got to be able to walk around with some of it in your pocket. But, okay, we're with the one with the issue of bread. But Jesus turned to him and said, but Jesus turned him about when he saw her and he said, daughter, be of good cheer, be, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that day on. Think of this, Matthew 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. She said, I will live. What she said was, I'm going to live and not die. And I'm going to do this thing. It wasn't that thing that had nothing to do with her getting better. The move of faith. And when she touched him, virtue left him. Virtue left him. And you'll feel it today. You'll feel it today. You'll feel that virtue has come into you. Okay, are you learning anything? Yes, sir. Job 22, 28 says, you will, uh, the Message Bible, you will decide what you want and it will happen. You will decide what you want. What do you want? See, and, and here's another nice thing about it. If you can ever get all your wants met and all your needs met, then you can start getting some of your desires. There's a whole different thing between what you want, what you need, and what you desire. <laughs> you got desire. <laughs> I love, I got a lot of things I desire. Now. Glory to God. Well, anyway, let's move on a little bit further. Uh, okay, John 4, 35. And this is one of my key verses in my life. Say not. Listen, there's some things you got to stop saying. Don't say that. Don't say you there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. You know what's wrong with having a harvest in four months? You can only have three a year. You can only have three a year. Jesus said, don't get hung up like the, like the world crowd is on, on, on the setting of the moon and all those things and when to plant. When to. Listen, he says, don't say that. Don't say that I'm going to have three harvests. Have a harvest every month. Have a harvest every week. Have some harvest every day. You know how you get, uh, uh, Dr. Rick Thomas taught me this. He's down in Margate. Dr. Rick, he's, he has people given one a day. One a day. I mean, for years and years, he's had his people give, some will just give a penny, some will give a dollar, some will give ten. But that's a, one of the wealthiest churches in this state. One a day. He, they have a miracle a day. Glory to God, I love it. Mark 11, now listen to this. This is, a, this is, this is, this is one of those beautiful things you're ever going to hear in your life. 
And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, say not the wrong things, say the right things, saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, we've got to get ready. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. I love that word. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Open your mouth for a miracle. Start. Get, see, you got two modes with your mouth. You got the factual mode of what's going on right now. And then just above that, you have the spiritual mode, the miracle mode. Get you a miracle mouth. Have a miracle mouth. Talking about what's going to happen good all the time. Woo! Abraham. Now, watch something here. And the Lord, uh, Genesis 13, 14 through 17. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that lot was separated from him, honey, you, you, I told you how I got Sister Pat. Yes, sir. She was the head cheerleader in her junior year. She was the most popular church girl in the school. We go back to these reunions when she was still with me, when she's still alive. We go to those reunions and people would, people would say, how's your marriage? Says somebody said, oh, okay, you can't, what can you do with Sister Pat living in your, in, the, in your closet? Everybody was in love with her. I mean, my job was cut out for me when I saw that girl. Big old football players all around her at the ball games. I had to put it in love. I had to put it in high gear. Well, she spent 66 and a half years with me and then left and then and then left me for another man. She went with Jesus. But Abraham said, after that lot separated from him. Honey, inventory your life. There's lots that you pick up along the way. And it's not only that you bring them in from the lost, but in the church you'll run on them that hang on to you. Listen, if people aren't going anywhere for Jesus, don't let them get, be nice to them, but don't let them get on the inside of your life. Associate with those that are going somewhere with God. And now what happens? And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that lot had separated from him, Lift up your now your eyes. Whew. We lifted up our mouth. Yes. Now shift your eyes out of normal mode and shift into miracle mode. Shift into miracle mode. Miracle mode of your mouth. Miracle mode of your eyes. I mean, don't see what is. See what you want it to become. And by the way, let me say this. My wife knew this before we ever knew what the truth that we know now. Because I would, in the time when I was Brickland, we'd have these old cars. I'd buy old cars. Sometimes it'd be a pickup, old pickup. And when I brought an old car home, Sister Pat took her little bucket with her cleaning stuff and her vacuum cleaner and a toothbrush. She cleaned cars with a toothbrush, too. And she got that car just as good as it could look, as good as it could look. And little did I realize, but what you see is what you get. And I was starting to see. I didn't even realize. We didn't even even know this truth. It was just in her that she wanted what she had to look nice. Take another. I'm going to run out of time, am I? Tell another story. You remember when we were in Kerrville when I had the ranch? She was dying. She was dying. And... uh, We'd lived a number of years together, but still had time I wanted with her. So I went down, to, I was at the, a Jaguar place, and I bought a Jaguar. And as I walked, I came out there, and there was this beautiful little two-seat, beautiful little Jaguar coupe. And I said, boss, she sure looked pretty in that. So I said to the salesman, I said, write that one up, too. I want that one right there. And I'm telling you the truth now. This is God's honest truth. I brought it home, put it in the garage, and I went and got her in a wheelchair, and I wheeled her out there, and I said, sit here a minute. And I backed that car out. I backed that car out. And she said, Johnny, don't sell that car. I'm going to drive that car. And I had it for another 10 or 12 years. 
Lift up your eyes. See something you desire and start doing something positive toward it. I'm sure you've done all that the world will let you do. Now, lift up your eyes to a new source. God wants to be your source, but he has a certain way that he does it. And as he does it, most people don't get it because they're scared. But if you're a babe of heart, you'll see a change. Well, next time, before I'm, next time I'm back, you'll see a change already. Amen. Okay, you all right? Yes. Okay, Abraham, lift up your eyes and look from the place where thou art. From the place where thou art. Where are you? Is that where you want to spend the rest of your life? Well, look from that place and look to the new place. And you go, you know the story, glow from glory to glory. What that is in common English is from place to place. You're moving on to a new place. And what does he tell him? He says, for all the land which thou seest, I'm in that 15th verse, I'll give it to you to seed forever and make that seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, uh, then shall he also see the number, uh, number of seed or whatever it says. Now watch with me. I'm not a good reader. I'm dyslectic. That's why I didn't get, that's why I had to go a half a year back to high school to get out. Insistence of Sister Pat. But she was, she's married to me sitting in the bleachers. Yeah, I was getting my diploma. She's in the the bleachers, my wife. But she said, no, I don't want a man that don't have a high school education. But (laughs) I need to come sit with you. like this and you'll get everything that comes off his pulpit. Look at where he's at. He's right. He sits right at the trough. Under the spout where the glory comes out. Glory to God. Glory to God. Okay, when Abraham lifted, uh, faith began to falter, he would just look at dust. But he didn't see dust. He lifted his eyes and he saw children. Amen. He looked at the stars and he didn't just swoon around, but he did, he saw children. You have eyes that can see yourself in everything that God wants for you. And don't think you're too old for it. If you think you're getting too old, start committing things. Start getting involved with things. Start, start making financial commitments. You'll live for, you'll just keep living. You'll keep living. I mean, People follow their money. If your money's going to be hanging around for another 10 years, you need to hang around for 10 years. Okay, we're learning. Lift up your eyes in the miracle mode. And here's something Dr. Oral Roberts said, very close friend of of Dr. Rob's. Oral Roberts said, something good is about to happen. Somebody say that. Something good is about to happen. Woo! My, my, my. All day long, dust. Turn to people. Stars turn to people. Your eyes can see beyond your problem. Just lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes in the miracle mode. Whoo. Focus with me on this. Now, there was a very strategic battle that took place one time. Two of them. Tell you about both of them. And Jesus prepares Israel for it. Now, when they took Jericho, you can imagine going over there in that walled city, Jericho, a city that had never been overthrown, never been overthrown. And they come to Jericho. Now, God huddles them up and says, okay, here's what we're going to do. Now, Jericho, we're in, we're in Joshua 6 and 1 and 2. Now, Jericho, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto, now here's the, here's the strategy he's going to give him. And the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given into thy hands Jericho. He said, now son, don't fire a shot till you see Jericho defeated. Now you're not going to see him defeated with your regular eyes because your regular eyes will keep seeing the walls. But if you can now, when you get to where that wall is down and those houses are all burning and the whole place is, is lit up, then move on. Then move on. Do you see that? You have that power that can take a wall. Uh, take a wall that's you've been walled out of something. Yes, Lord. 
Something kept away from something. But you have eyes that can see that thing gone. And once you see it gone, you can move into that thing that you desire. Are you getting this? Ooh, I hope you are. Well, there was a strategy. God says we're going after Jericho. You've got to have a strategy. See them destroyed before you enter the city. Now, changes a little bit now. When he goes to Ai, the next town they come to, Joshua 8 and 1. And the Lord said unto Joshua, fear not. He's getting ready now. Don't fear. No fear. Neither be dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given unto thy hands the king of Ai and the people and the city and the land. If they're going to overthrow cities by seeing it first. That new house that you have to have. You got four or five kids. You can't get along in a two bedroom house. You need bedrooms. Well, start seeing bedrooms. And listen, get out in the nice part of town and ride around and look at the house. I'll guarantee you, you won't ride long and some house will start talking to you. Help, help. Get these, get these devils out of here. They're up all night doing all kind of terrible stuff. I don't even want to tell you what they're doing in there, but get me out of here. You're going to get a new house. Aren't you? See, it's out of, listen, this, all this stuff is not for the wicked. It's for the children of God. It's for the children of God. Oh, my. And God has, listen, I've come from absolute nothing, honey, nothing. I said just in, up to my eyeballs in debt. They're talking again. Use your miracle voice. Whenever I got in bankruptcy over in uh, in Denver. Man, this is not bankruptcy, but this barely almost went to jail. So I come back to St. Petersburg with that for two and a half years, went out of the ministry. And I had bills. Let me tell you, I had bills. And the guy was a collection agent. Whenever I left Denver, I called him up and gave him my new phone number. He said, wow. He said, we're all betting you're going to go bankrupt. We'd never see you again. He said, no, no, I'm, I'm going to pay all these bills. Amen. And we'd lay them on the table at, 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 at night when the kids were all asleep on Friday after I got paid. We'd lay them. And Pat had this ingenious way of paying bills. She used the envelope system. We had an envelope for the rent. We had an envelope for this, envelope for that. She'd put money in them. All. And finally, we'd get the bills out there, and we'd look at them. And I got kind of formal about it. I'd say, come here, Pat. So you may wonder why we've called this meeting. But credit card debt, you're going. Amen. You, you, you better enjoy yourself because you're leaving this table. You won't be with us anymore soon. Talk to your bills. I'm going to bet John, I'm silly talking to my bills. You talk to everything else. Yes, sir. Amen. Car, come Amen. on, come on, baby. Come on. Talk to everything. Amen. Put that mouth to work talking Amen. about them. You're about to get something out of this, aren't you, lady? Don't scoot out too far in that seat. You're far on the floor. She said, oh, that's on the very edge of the seat. I see it. I see the people that are going somewhere. Amen, amen. Shoo. Okay, back to, back to business. Lift up your eyes. Okay. Now, Josh, Jericho. Oh, here's, a, here's an important piece of information if you're going to start moving things around in the spirit world. Uh. 2 Corinthians 4, 18. While we look not on the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. Now, the scripture has a totally different meaning than that, but the truth is here. Jesus said, all the things you see are temporary. They're temporary. Your bill is temporary. And, and you say, well, I have a bankruptcy. Well, it's temporary. Well, you know, I'm not married. Well, if you want it to be, that can be temporary. I mean, you, you, everything that you desire, if you're in Christ Jesus, he wants you to have it. Why would a rich God want his children to be poor? That's child abuse, abuse down in Texas. Child abuse. Glory to God. Well, let's do this now. And I'm, I'm going to start to land. Okay. 
And we're going to talk about Jacob and Laban. Many of you are in a Jacob Laban situation right now. You're, you're not getting your wages worth. You're not, getting, you're not getting anywhere with your job. Things have got to change. Okay, who was Laban? And here's how it kind of the, picks up Genesis 31.1, a good news translation. Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, these boys are talking bad about Jacob. Jacob has taken everything that belongs to our father. He's got all his wealth from our father's own. That was our father's own. Now listen, whoever is tormenting you about your wages, they're in a very dangerous spot, you being a Christian. You could end up with everything they have. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it, why do you say that? Well, it's in the book. That's exactly what happened here. This guy cheated him 12 times. And he ended up with everything. When he left, the boys and Jacob were all standing around wondering what they were gonna, how they were going to make a living with Jacob gone. But anyway, we go on down. In Genesis 31, 5 and 7, it's through 7, it says, And he said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not towards me as before. But God of my father hath been with me. And you know that with all my power have I served your father. And your father has, this, has, has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. Get in that mode right now. Whatever your kind of a mess is in your finances, whatever kind of a mess is on your income, get in your mind, forgive whoever that is. And by the way, forgive everybody because if you, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, you're going nowhere with God. He's the king of forgiveness. He don't want to hang out with people that don't forgive. You, you get that? Okay, now, how did this all end up? Well, there is a distraction in the Bible. You remember they took, and I, it's better to say this and try to read it because you've been through the part and you've wondered what it meant. But he takes the water trough and he puts all sticks down around it with, and with, with different colors and things. And you know that people actually believe that those animals was what, seeing those things and that their little babies was born with stripes and spots. And that's silly. That's witchcraft. That's not what happened. Are you, are you picking up that? I, I know that's what. All the, all the commentators think that's what happened. All the lost people think that's what's happened. And most Christians believe that's what's happened, and it's puzzling because it's not the kind of thing that sounds like our God. Here's what happened. It was a diversion. It was a distraction. I can see Laban and the boys up on the hill saying, that boy's got into witchcraft. He's doing voodoo down there. That's voodoo. Does he really think those sticks are going to cause But something else happened. You ready for this? See, you wouldn't have got it before, but you'll get it now. Here's what happened. When you get over to Genesis 31.10, and it came to pass at the time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes. He lifted up his eyes. Glory to God. He didn't see it the way it was. He saw it the way he wanted it to be. I forget I have a bad leg. <laughs> Let me limp back over here. Are you seeing that? Yes. I mean, this is a, am I telling you, you go to Bible, you went to Bible college, that's yes, what they teach you. Yeah. You get, you got commentaries, commentators. Yes, sir. Remember this about a commentator, okay? Highly, now, a little theology. A commentator is just a commentator. He's just a common potato. <laughs> He's a commentator. I don't take a lot of advice from commentators. But watch this thing, man. It's just keep this in mind. He lifted up his eyes and saw in a dream and behold the rams. Now all the rams in the flock were white. They culled everything else out. All the rams were white. All the rams which leaped upon the cattle, they were ring-shanked, speckled, and grizzled. He saw in the spirit, yes. what yes. the daddies would look like for that year's lambs. Amen. And the next year, it changed his wages. He once again, in the spirit, in the spirit, he looked and he saw the kind of 
fathers they needed, those lambs, those, those, those sheep needed to bring forth ring shanked or however it was going to be. Child of God, that same thing I taught you for the whole morning, just lift up your eyes. Yes, Lord. It's not a new phenomenon to the things of God. Amen. It changed the cattle thousands of years ago. Yes, and it'll work today right here in your house, right here in your life. Who are you learning anything? Yes. Now get this, Mark 11, I read it to you again. And Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto thee that whosoever shall say miracle mouth unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Miracle eyes where you can get your heart to seeing what's really getting ready to happen. It's here. I see it. I feel it. Those of you that are about to miss what I'm going to say, I mean, don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. It's a ticket out of where you're at. It's a ticket to where you want to go. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now the good one. Wherefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your mouth. Now here's what I want to say to you. And I don't know how else to say it. I used to have to a whole lot of conversation about it, trying to get people to understand everything was okay. But the truth is this. Everywhere I've gone, let me just quickly say this to you. Another thing. People used to send me the offering for other ministries have me lay hands on it before it went out. I don't know whether you ever saw that or not, but it'd come in my office from, from the, uh, anyway, I won't say a name. It'd come in, I'd lay hands on it, send it on. I've prayed for, uh, in, this, in this state, one of my highest donors here, Gibson, Robert Gibson, he just passed away. Robert Gibson went from millions to tens of millions. He put gargantuan money every month into my hand and I prayed over all kind of things that went on in his life. And this morning, I'm going to lay my hands on these envelopes. And I'm going to pray the prayer of increase. And now, if you don't believe it, don't get involved. Right. But if you can believe it, yes, if you can see it, yes, sir. it'll come to you. Amen. Now, let me say this. If you sow little, and I'm not trying to raise the offering. I got enough money to burn up a wet mule. I don't need your money. I don't need your money. I swear to God, Rob will tell you, I got, I got plenty of money. Plenty for my kids, my kids, my kids, and their grandkids. By the way, remember this. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So you need to get about the business of getting some money so you can be a good person. Think with me. Are you, are you with me? If you sow little, it's just simple. A farmer, if he sows just a little bit, he gets a small crop. He gets a crop. There's not anybody going to give today that's not going to have increase. I'll tell you that, an explosive increase. But if you give a little, and by the way, now take this. If I gave a certain amount that I felt was good giving, it might not be, it might not be even possible for you to sell everything you have and give it. But what you have, and I'll prove that to you tonight. Tonight I'm going to talk to you about how God establishes value. God doesn't establish value like you do. Because a woman with two mites outdid a whole crowd of givers. So if, what it is, is if this thing is significant to you, yeah. it'll be significant to God. Right. And it will come back multiplied. Significant or not, it'll come back multiplied. Because yeah. if you give little, you reap little. If you yeah. sow much, you reap much. Yes, and now these are the times in a visit like this, but my foot is better. Well, let me tell you, there's a miracle because I had, I had to go to a doctor and get permission to fly and he gave me all kinds of conditions and he finally said, okay, you can fly if this happens. I had to have special sports socks all the way up to here. So I'm just, I can't get in an accident somewhere and have them take my pants off at the hospital. <laughs> Got stockings this tall on. <laughs> but, so I got to be careful. But he said, okay, you can fly. He said, you're flying first class? I said, yes, sir. He said, okay, you can fly. Praise the Lord. Well, glory to God. Are you blessed today? Yeah. Or what? Yeah. My God in heaven. Don't forget, tonight, 6 o'clock. Yes, and um, tonight, you do not want to miss. Um,
Brother John's going to pray for everybody. Um, so I want you guys to be here. You don't under, look, man, all I know is this. I've been in meetings where you can go back in life, everybody in this room, in a meeting that changed your life forever. This is those, this is this kind of meeting. You don't, you don't, you're never the same. We talk like this. We believe in impartation. We believe in receiving. We believe in transformation. Your life will never be the same. This isn't a moment. You can't get it back. You can't duplicate them. This is a moment in time you'll never duplicate again in your life. You need to just be in the building. Don't make excuses. Just get in the building. Because I promise you, if you don't get yours, somebody in the front row is going to take what God had planned for you. I promise you that's the truth. Amen. We're going to get in here. We're just going to receive. Were you blessed today? I was blessed out of my mind. Amen. How about you? Put your hands together for Brother John. What a blessing. Come on, stand up on your feet. Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. We thank you. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. Just tell God how good he is. Tell God how good. He knows he's good. But the Bible said if you don't take your place, a rock will take your spot. Ain't no rock taking my place. Tell him how good he is. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what's happening. Thank you. And I believe I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Relevant Live with Pastor Chris Sarnum. If you are interested in learning more about Relevant Church, you can visit us at relevantfl.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to hear more messages like this one every single week. Thanks for listening.